Podcast. This is your podcast that is covering everything that is CW's hit series The Flash, starring Grant Gustin as Barry Allen slash The Flash. And uh, I'm one of your hosts, and we're back. So happy to have you on the show along us. If you're a new listener to the show, welcome into our Speedster family. And if you're a regular Speedster, welcome back. And with me is my co-host, Scott Murray. Hello, everyone. Hello, and w- joining us this week is a special guest. She is, she's, you know, she's been one of the, you know, our first supporters, you know, as far as back in season zero. And she is a writer for Fantastic Television and Entertainment Week Community, and she is Lauren Galloway. Hello. Hello. How you doing today, Lauren? Great. Thanks for having me on, Andy and Scott. Well, thank you for coming sure. on, and. Um, and uh, we're so happy to, you know, to have you on. And I know you, you've been really excited about coming on to talk about The Flash. And before we get into any news or episode discussion, how have you been enjoying the show so far? I love it. It is one of my favorite shows of this season and possibly my fav- one of my favorite shows of all time. I think it's funny. I think it's humorous. I love the adventure. I think the special effects are some of the best I have ever seen on television. Um, I love Grant Gustin as Barry. I think there's enough content for people who aren't familiar with the comics to enjoy it. And then enough Easter eggs and, and villains to to satisfy you know people that love reading the Flash comics too. I think it's wonderful. I couldn't have said it any better. That I, I agree completely with that. If, you know, it is definitely one of my favorite new shows of the fall, and it's like you said, it's one of my favorite new shows of all time. It's you know, this is a show that I like. I tell all my friends because they always, for some reason, they want to do things with me, especially on Tuesday and Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. And I'm like, look, I have a television screen at home that is waiting for me. I'm not gonna go out anywhere. I'm gonna be watching The Flash. And yeah. these days, so uh uh-uh. uh, and it's like they always—it's like not just even Tuesday or Wednesday. It's always at 8 p.m. They want to do this or this, <laughs> and I'm like, no, you go, you go out, you have your fun, and I will stay home with the superheroes. But <laughs> but but let's get into some news. We don't have any specific news per se about the Flash, although they've been promoting a lot of stuff now for the upcoming crossover event that is going to happen next week that I think we're all excited about. I know I am, and I've been like, you know, climbing the walls you know, over excitement because I really wanted to be at that screening last last week. But, uh, but hey, when you live on the East Coast, what, what am I supposed to do? But we do have some sp- like, DC TV general news uh, in terms of, you know, that does imply and include the Flash and Arrow. And that is 
our good friends at, at the KSI TV, who is also the, which is the home of Flash TV News, Green Arrow TV, Shield Side, Hellblazer TV, they posted an article just minutes before we started recording that um, in the December fifth, two thousand fourteen issue of Entertainment Weekly, and um, they mentioned they, they're talking about. Supergirl, and it, it, well, it's, it's, it seems to be like a focus on Greg Belanti, who's done you know shows like Arrow, Flash, The Mystery of Laura, and Dawson's Creek, and stuff like that. And one of the things they're talking about is Supergirl, and um, that. And one of the things that they they mentioned in the article is apparently that it is possible that this Supergirl could enter the world of Arrow and the Flash. Now. What does this mean, and what is you know what is this a good or bad thing? Well, this what, what this could possibly mean is that we will have an alien part of the CW universe, and you know because CBS and CW they're 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 connected. C, CBS does own CW, and they're both like Time Warner networks. So, but would would it be a good thing? Personally, I think it would be fantastic if Supergirl was part of the same universe as Aaron the Flash. Uh, Lauren, what, what, what do you think about it? Would you want to see Supergirl be part of um, the CWDC universe? Absolutely. I think any time where worlds and shows are connected, I think it's, I think it's awesome. Um, what I would want to know is, you know, if, if... I know they haven't really talked about metahumans on Arrow yet... Um, you know, it's mostly villains that have had something happen to them that have, you know, a tragic backstory or something like Slade. But now that they're crossing over with Arrow, I mean, now they're crossing over with the Flash, they're going to be introduced to the idea of metahumans. So I think the next logical step could be aliens. And that begs the question, are we ever going to see Superman again on TV? Are they just going to not introduce that element in Supergirl. I think that's interesting. That is a good question, and we will get to, get to that in a second. But, Scott, how how do you look at this? Would you want to see, you know, we know we, there's no casting for Supergirl. Yet. We, we have no details other than some of, you know, the synopsis and stuff that has come out. But would you want to see Supergirl be part of the universe? Well, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I will say that um, I think just recently on the Assembly of Geeks Twitter feed, we, uh, um, shared a story where they confirmed that Superman nor Batman will have anything to do with these uh, TV franchises. Um, but I think, you know, with uh, Greg Berlanti's group running all of these, it would only make sense that they're going to cross over. Um, you just look at how cool just all the advertising is for um, this crossover episode they're about to do. I mean, it's brilliant. It really is, you know. I mean, to, to be able to see, you know, when you consider how many, how many times, you know, geeks and uh, superhero fans have talked about, well, if these two heroes fought each other, who would win? The fact that they've been able to lay this out so beautifully that they can actually advertise, we're going to give you two heroes throwing down <laughs> as a crossover episode is just really cool and quite uh, big for the CW to pull off. And I think they've done a really good job with that. So as with everything else, I mean, it's, it's um, you know, this group has has come up with a formula that works. Not only how to bring a superhero to TV, but now how to successfully cross over with it. So why not loop Supergirl into the group too? And as far as audience building and world building is concerned, it's incredibly smart if you know how to do it. Because then as a fan, you're not going to want to miss any of those shows. And they can count on you to watch them 
because they all interconnect and you don't want to miss Supergirl, Arrow, or The Flash. So when, when now that they figured out a formula, now they're going to take full advantage of it. And we already know that what they're doing on TV doesn't tie to what DC's, at least directly, doesn't tie to what DC's doing in the cinematic universe. So why not build their own universe here on TV with all these franchises? So I think it can work. I think it's a good thing. And um, I think that uh, it's a smart thing for them to be doing. I mean, they've proven they know how to do it. Yeah, and I and I and I would you know going back to what Lauren was saying about that you know we've MetaHuman has kind of in a way been like phase two of the the CW DC universe and now aliens could actually be like phase three for them. I think it'll be a very smart way and in a way I I've said this to Adam a lot because he and I we Skype a lot every week and you know he he'll be back he will be back next week um but uh, we I've said to him like I would almost want to see Supergirl Flash an arrow be like the DC Trinity of television, like because in D- in DC comics the Trinity is Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman. In this case, Arrow would be the Batman, Supergirl would be the Wonder Woman, and the Flash would be the Superman. In you know in the Trinity basically, and to me I think that would be um, so much fun if that actually happens. And well, I think it's it's good for DC too because right now so much of their cinematic universe right now is unproven. And uh, people were still kind of figuring out what they're attempting to do on film, whereas they've got a really, really strong and good thing going on TV. Oh yeah, and and well, well, one thing that I have been asked about many times, and I want to ask you, Lauren, first about it: what could be the downside of having Supergirl? You know, not I'm not saying that having a female show being part of it. You know, because look. Any show part of the, this amazing universe would be great, but like, what would be the downside of having a show that it, that airs on a different night or you know different network, whether or not it's connected to you know Time Warner and stuff like that? Like, how, what could be the downside of that? I think it depends on who they hire to write the episodes, because I think what what is so great about Arrow and the Flash is their writing staff is absolutely brilliant. Um, I got to see Keto. Um, she's a female writer on Arrow at WonderCon. And I was so impressed with how well she knew the comics and how well she knew those characters. And she got to write the Suicide Squad episode. And so I think if, you know, whoever is, I know that Berlanti is executive producing, but whoever he, he puts in charge of that show, it can make or break how good it is. If they, you know, if they hire the right people, I think it could be amazing. But if they don't hire the right people, um, if they don't hire people who are passionate about comics and canon, you know, it could very quickly turn into a procedural that just has a superhero character at the head of it. So I think it depends on who's going to run the show and who's going to write the episodes. Yeah, very valid point. And I and like you said, you know, Greg Blanda, he's definitely executive producing it. I I think the the showrunner, well, the the one the the person that is going to be focusing most as the leading person, I think it's Ali Adler. I think there's a reason why she was also brought into the mix, and uh, you know, she's also you know writing the you know she's either she's they're writing the script right now or they're they're finished writing the script because casting is underways, but. Um, I think I think she would be the one that would be in charge of Supergirl. Why Greg? Because Greg Blunt, he's you know he's mostly like he's executive producing several shows, but he's not, you know but he's not really writing any episodes anymore like he used to in um, 
in uh, in se- like he used in season one. But hey, who knows what could happen? Uh, Scott, your la- your thoughts uh, before we move on to talk about this week's episode of The Flash. No, I think Lauren hit the nail on the head. The only thing that makes it a downside is if suddenly whoever you hire to to write and um, star in the show, if it doesn't work and it's not as strong and you know people aren't as enthusiastic about it as they are um, Arrow and The Flash, then obviously that's going to create some issues. And I, I'd like to think to some degree they're going to uh, test it first, you know. I, I think it would be um, tricky to make all these crossover plans without knowing whether the fans are going to like it first. So it'll be interesting to see if the way they write it is um, a way to set everything up, you know, gauge the level of fan support, and then if people love it like they do the other two shows, then we can start talking about the crossover stuff. Um, but yeah, the only the only thing that could go wrong, obviously, is um, if it's not as good and people don't like it as much. Yeah, and and you know just just quickly before we move on, one of my one of my friends said um, that, that said the same thing as Lauren that you know what if it happens to be a procedural because CBS you know they have all the NCIS shows all the CSI shows and stuff like that so and that's the one fear I have about Supergirl that that CBS the only reason they accepted it accepted to take the show on was because they wanted to bring make a superhero procedural drama show and hopefully that's well, not they, the case they also have to compete with everybody you know um with all the other networks doing superhero shows they needed one closest thing they had i guess was the big bang theory <laughs> as far as geek show is <laughs> concerned um so they uh you know they needed to get in the game oh yeah but let's uh well, let's move on from the news. You know, uh, we will. I'm sure because you know this is the law. You know, this is the rules of podcasting that when you're talking about when you're recording an episode, something big will always break once we're done. So if we're missing anything from this week, we apologize because yeah, I don't know. Okay, that wasn't so funny as I thought it was going to be. But anyway, let's <laughs> talk about the seventh episode of the Flash called Power Outage. So, and Lauren, because you're our guest, let's start with your initial thoughts and reactions about this episode. I really enjoyed this episode. To me, this episode had the highest stakes because when you're watching a superhero show, you generally know that at the end of the episode, the hero will win and the villain will either be captured or killed or redeemed, hopefully. Um, You know, you kind of understand that that's how the episode is going to play out, unless it's like a two-parter or a season finale. But this episode, I was not sure what was going to happen. I felt like for the first time I was really worried about Barry and the fact that they had two villains, you know, operating at the same time. I was equally worried about Caitlin and Cisco and Barry and Dr. Wells at star labs. As much as I was worried about Joe and Iris at the police station. And so to me, this was the highest stakes episode so far. I don't know if it was my favorite episode, so far, but I like I was emotionally on the edge of my seat because like they were not giving us any hints or clues as to how both of these villains were going to be taken down. And, you know, I love that the whole theme of the episode was the speed force, because like as someone who hasn't read the comics, I don't know what the speed force is. But because I listen, you know, to podcasts like this, I'm starting to hear that term. And I feel like the show 
really started to bring that concept up that, that there's something very important about Barry's speed. And, you know, we saw that speed taken away. And I mean, that was pretty terrifying when Dr. Wells looked into the future and there was no evidence of Barry. Um, so I really liked the episode. I thought the stakes were high. I thought the villains were really well drawn. Um, and I thought it had some good emotional points to it too. Well said. And, and Scott, what do you, mm-hmm. do you think? I agree with Lauren. I mean, um, I'm, I remember thinking that as things began to, uh, began to, uh, unfold and, uh, the, the danger began to kind of swell in this episode, I found myself going, yeah, you know, I, there, I, like Lauren said, I, there are stakes in this one. And I think, um, I think what I, even as I was watching that, it made me think the difference between when I saw Superman 2 for the first time versus when I saw Superman Returns. When I saw Superman 2 for the first time, you know, General Zod and the two villains were creating so much havoc. And, and uh, you know, Superman didn't have his powers through part of that movie. And I was thinking, holy crap, you know, there's so much at stake. There's real danger here. We desperately need Superman to get his powers back and go. And versus Superman Returns where, you know, to me, the, the villain situation and what was happening was so meh that I really never felt a sense of danger. And I found, you know, kind of like what Lauren's saying – you know, there there are episodes where you see the bad guy introduced and you know at some point in time he's going to do a bad thing. The Flash is going to stop him. The end. We know that's going to happen. But this one um, was definitely one where the stakes were so high you were much more invested in it, I think. And very much like the Superman 2 element, you know, while everything was you know, unfolding and coming apart, you desperately wanted Barry to get his powers back and fix it before <laughs> before it came to a really bad end. And that says a lot about this episode and how good it was because that, as an audience, that's, you know, that's the um, reaction they really want you to have. And sometimes it didn't always happen, but this episode made it happen. And uh, you, there was so much at stake, so much that needed to be fixed, and they managed to do it all pretty well in less than an hour, which is also really, really good. Um, and I also thought it was really cool how in this episode uh, the villain's origin story started the whole thing. Um, I thought was a really uh, cool way to open the episode, showing how uh, this version of Blackout came to be. So, uh, yeah, very good episode and definitely one where, um, you know, you really felt the danger and were ready for uh, Barry to get his uh, powers back and fix it all. And, uh, yeah, it was definitely a very strong episode. It just goes to show you they're, they're getting comfortable, they're getting their footing, and things, are only, things have the potential to only get better. Yeah, and one of the things I remember that we talked a lot about in the first couple of episodes was that, was that, I remember you talking about this a lot, Scott, was that you were kind of getting a little bit tired of the the villain of the case scenario, and that it was kind of like, oh, here's another bad guy, here's another metahuman, and uh, and so on. But this week, I, and the thing was, I I'm not too familiar with Blackout aside from that one Flashpoint comic that I read with him in it. But I I felt so sorry for him. I felt that this was a guy just having a great night with his friends and and then Harrison screws everything up. And that's a that's worth <laughs> a sarcastic clap. Just saying, you know, just, just you know, we're not even 20, 20 minutes in. We're still at that. We're already in there. So yay. But yeah, I 
I felt really sorry for him, and um, I think the actor did a he did a good job, and I I did really feel for him, and I and and one of the things like Lauren said, there was stakes in this episode because look, we know that you know it's only season one. These are some of the most iconic heroes and villains from the comic books. There's no way Barry Allen is gonna die. Uh, and not come back. There's no way that they're going to kill off any of these characters so soon. If they're planning to. I, I know Iris. She will definitely survive the whole show. Joe, I do get concerned about. And once again, I want Joe West to be my dad. I'm so happy that my real dad isn't here right now. Because if he heard it, he would be like, what did I ever do to you? <laughs> but, um, no, but I... There were stakes, and I and I like that. Even though you know that these characters, they have a background, they have a story that we already know from the comics and stuff like that. It feels good when you when you don't know if they're gonna make it out, because then they, yeah. they're they're giving you a twist. Because that because look, just because they're these are iconic characters from the Flash comic books doesn't mean that they might actually not get a change or two, whether it's surviving or, you know, be a different character altogether. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean that that's what makes what they did so effective because yeah, if you really want to sit there and get analytical about it, you could, you could watch the show and go, what am I worried about? Of course, of course the, the flash is going to pull this off and, and whatnot. But I mean, if it's good enough, you know, there's the whole suspend disbelief sort of thing. Um, you know, where you, uh, you know, you don't question those things because you're so into it, and and you and that's the way we all would prefer to watch these things. Although I must say, there were, <laughs> there were a couple of times where uh, where I thought about that, even when Barry lost his powers and he's looking at his suit, and he goes, uh, "Boy, I hope I get to wear this again." And Caitlin says, "Yeah, I hope so too." And I was just waiting for her to say. Otherwise, this is going to be a very short season. (laughs) (laughs) They break the fourth wall. (laughs) Yeah, you know, uh, or, you know, like that scene in uh, when when Family Guy parodied Star Wars and they're going through the atmosphere, through the asteroid field and they're all freaking out. And Peter goes, hey, look, we've got all the main cast in here, so I think we're going to be fine. No one's going to die because they kind of need us. So Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, but the fact that this. Um, was such a good show. You know, you don't stop and think, well, of course he's going to make it. You're too busy wondering how he's going to pull it off, and that's what made the episode good. Yeah, and um, yeah, and I and I agree. And let, but uh, let, you know, with our initial reactions, thoughts said, let's move over to Barry Speed, the next level, as I call it in the rundown sheet. That because this episode was all about g- kicking up a notch, like Harrison said. That it was time because we know that even though he we've seen him be really fast, that's not all of it. It's just the beginning, and that's I kind of like that I was reminded in this episode that this is an origin story, so that he is not because look, the Flash is one of the most powerful beings in the DC universe, and I like that the fact that even though we've seen him do so many amazing things, he's run up for walls, uh, he's run over water. He has done a supersonic punch, baby. Uh, sorry, that that is just a, a good line. Uh, it's the best line ever. It, it is. It is the best line ever on the show. Cisco, you're my hero. And but I like that. And you know, someone who's been reading the comics for now for a whole year, it was nice to be able to see a time where Barry wasn't the ultimate fastest man alive. He's still the fastest man alive, but he can be faster. So, Lauren, let's talk about this for, for a little bit. How did you feel like? How did you feel about this uh, approach on his powers? Because 
you know, I, I'm sure you probably know that he is very powerful and that th- as the show will progress, we will see him become even more powerful. I really like how they are gradually teaching him how to go faster because, you know, for someone who's familiar with the comics, like you're saying, you know, you know the Flash as, you know, the great powerful superhero that he is. But for me... I don't, I don't know that about the flash. I just know Barry as Barry, um, you know, Grant Gustin's version of Barry. And so I like the fact that it's very incremental in every episode, they find a way to push him to go faster. And I like, I like how they are using Dr. Wells to push Barry's speed because I don't know, it just seems more, it seems more realistic because it's so easy just to settle into something just in life. You know, you get good at something and you kind of settle where you're good. And so I like how the writers are finding ways to make Barry push himself, whether it is having to run up the side of a building, you know, or to run across water. So now for Dr. Wells to introduce this idea that it's not just that Barry can go faster, it's that Dr. Wells needs him to go faster, that kind of starts to build kind of a long arc of, you know, the long game or the long con that, that Dr. Wells is running. And I love that in shows. I mean, I love kind of episode of the week cases because they, you know, they wrap up at the end and you feel really good about the episode, but I like when there are threads of a longer story. And I feel like tonight, I mean, last week's episode really started to reveal that Dr. Wells had something going on based on what Joe is investigating and the possibility that um, Dr. Wells was involved in Barry's mother's murder. But this week, the fact that it wasn't just a little two seconds with him going into his future room, but he was in that room <laughs> I like a that few name. times. <laughs> future room. I, you know what? You know. We're, 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 let's make it official. Harrison Wells' room is called future room. I like that. Okay. The future room. Um, I thought it was really cool that that wasn't just a little teaser at the end that we're starting to see what Dr. Wells is up to. And, you know, for anyone not familiar with the comics, like myself, um, I'm starting to see that all Dr. Wells wants is Barry's speed. And I think they introduced that in a really clever way last night through the character of Blackout. Yeah, and and Scott, how do you feel about it? Well, I mean, I think it's... um... I mean, I think it's a really good thing because what it essentially means is, you know, we're not going to get, you know, a season and a half through this and we're going to see everything that Barry's capable of and, and we never see anything new. It means that they're, they're taking their time to continuously experiment and find out just how much uh, Barry is capable of doing. Um, and I think that's good because, you know, as uh, as we were just talking about, there are um, there are so many scenes already where we've enjoyed watching him experiment and see what he can, you know, what he can do, and find out just how far he can push his powers. And yeah, it does seem like they are kind of evolving into the whole speed force thing when you start talking about merging, you know, your powers into the ability to do things like uh, accelerate healing or um, maybe keep yourself from aging and things of that nature. So there are, there are all kinds of other places. If this is a speed force situation that this, that his powers are still capable of doing. And yeah, uh, Dr. Wells seems to know what those capabilities are and he's trying to uh, push Barry to get there 
within probably a certain time frame, it seems. Um, and it just it just makes so many elements of what's already happening more and more interesting, make us ask more questions and know that we're going to be finding out a lot more well into the future as the series goes along. Yeah, and for me, you know, I've said this a lot of times on this podcast that I've I've had so much problems knowing how to feel and look at Harrison because one, I love Tom Cavanaugh so much. He's like a phenomenal actor, so. Deep inside, I want him to be a good guy because I don't know what I would do if he if he was evil because you know he's so lovable. Like I I think we've all had some some show where we've seen Tom on. Like I saw him on Scrubs. Like have you guys seen him everywhere anywhere else? I don't think so. Um. Yeah, he was in Ed. I think that's what it was called. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was Ed. My sister loved that show. So she was like excited when when she saw that he joined the show. But it, but regardless, you know, I've always seen him as the goofy good guy. So like the the, pot- the potential that he is evil is just so daunting to me. But it was kind of good to get a little bit of an inside look into his mind, especially in the future room. First of all, what was the name of that female voice he was talking to? Was it good- Gideon? Gideon. Yeah. Hmm. Which I looked up on the DC wiki, and there have been characters named Gideon, but nothing specific that I could see. Nothing to resemble what we saw last night. Oh, sorry, Scott. That's okay. No, Gideon is something people are still trying to figure out who that is. Um, Tess Morgan? Could that be Tess Morgan? Maybe maybe her mind, consciousness, is inside her. Yeah, kind of a Jarvis sort of thing, (laughs) a little bit. Um, Oh, with a a period after each letter? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I have seen people float that uh, that theory around a little bit, but yeah, a lot of people are trying to wonder, try to figure out who Gideon is. That's a good theory, though, that it could be Tess. I mean, because Scott, you mentioned that the speed force can accelerate healing. You know, is there a possibility that Harrison has her body in cryo state somewhere? You know, and he's going to try to use the speed force to heal her. I mean, it's possible. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But that means that if he thinks that the Speed Force could heal her, that means that he doesn't know the danger of the Speed Force from his timeline. Because, in and like, look, it's it's an adaptation. But you know, I know that Greg Belanti and Andrew Kreisfeld and Jeffron they will stick as close as he can to the Speed Force. And the fact is that in the New Fifty Two, the Speed Force has kind of been like a frenemy to the Flash in the first couple of issues of the New Fifty Two Flash. He's struggling with the speed force. It's causing a lot of rifts in in the timeline and stuff like that. And you know, it's all sciencey stuff. So I don't know how to explain it. So just pick out those issues. So seriously, any any time on this show when they talk talk about science, I'm just ready to open my dictionary and be like, "So Caitlin said this. We're looking it up. What do you mean? Like I don't understand <laughs> any of it. I'm I don't feel smart." <laughs> But I like I like the idea though. It's you know because we are trying we are sitting here trying to figure out what his motivations are and are they good or bad motivations or are they good or bad for somebody or somebody you know somebody specific outside of him and maybe there is an element to what happened to his wife and what he's trying to achieve with Barry and why he's pushing Barry so hard you know because is it is it possible he he might have something like. 
um, like you said, like his wife in kind of a frozen state, and he needs he needs Barry to get get his powers to the point where he can help, you know, his own personal interests. I think that's a really good theory, and a, or at least one worth thinking about, um, because you look at all the other little hints we've had along the way, along with the fact that we're constantly trying to figure out whether Doctor Wells is, is in this for himself, in this for humanity or in this for good or bad reasons and um considering he has such a personal vested interest not only in the success of barry but also his powers and and getting his powers to a certain certain place by certain time there might be some tie-ins there to uh to who gideon is and where tess is and where because we know he keeps looking at this day in the future so uh i think that's a really interesting theory to think about now you don't is, is there a chance that maybe Adam, like, you know, because he had to take a few weeks off the pocket, that he went and became Gideon to show how, how upset he was that he couldn't be here for for those for these two episodes? Maybe he is Gideon. Maybe he's working with Harrison Wells. <laughs> that, okay, I know that's crazy. You never know. <laughs> and any time now, Adam will give me... Send, well, anytime now, Adam will, send, Adam will send me a text and say, how did you know? And I'm like, how, how are you listening to this? <laughs> No, but I do. But I think it's very possible that it is Tess Morgan because, look, I know it's been a couple of years since he, well, let's say, quote unquote, lost her. But when when they talked about it last week, he didn't really seem because look, when you lose someone, it's anytime you know, a lot of time, even though it's gone like ten years, just hearing the name will make you upset somehow. And like he didn't look too upset about Tess Morgan. So, could did he perhaps lie to? It was sort of lie to Joe, and that she is somewhat dead, but she is somewhere maybe gone, maybe even Gideon. I don't know. It's I would not be surprised if because I don't I don't think we're done with this character. I do I do think that there's a reason they mention her. I also think there's a reason that they gave Gideon a female voice because I think you could be right. I think she could be. Somehow either, you know, crafted after Tess. I mean, yeah, there's something very personal going on with with Dr. Wells. I really want to rewatch that scene between him and Joe when they talked about Tess. Because I I don't remember everything. And I really want to rewatch it. Because I think you're right. I mean, does he say the word dead? I don't think he does. I, I, I do think that she said somewhat, oh, she's... She's gone. I lost her. Or, I don't know. There is something going on. I would not be surprised if that is her. And I, I kind of hope it is because... And also, I'm, I'm going to have to look up who, who that voice was, like, who who that actress was. I, She sounded very familiar. Did you any did any of you recognize that voice? Mm-mm. No. Okay. Uh-uh. Okay. Well... I'm still calling that Harrison is, by the way, an anti-hero. That he's doing some questionable things, but he's also doing some good things uh, because he. And I, I think that there's there's something that he's doing on purpose because he needs to. I think he's trying to create this new timeline from what he is because things just got so effed up there. Like when he's and also I need to ask you guys this if you know if this is how it, how it went when Barry lost his speed and he went to the future room to talk to them. I'll talk to Gideon and you know look up uh, in any magazines if Barry Allen or The Flash exists. Was it because that he lost his powers that he didn't exist anymore in that timeline, or was it because that he's 
what was because of the fact that we have we have learned now that in twenty twenty four the flash has gone missing hmm that's a good question <laughs> because I know that if you step on a butterfly you know something different will happen in the future so I was wondering was it because that he lost his powers temporarily that that I think so and uh, and did anyone laugh when you saw the headline where it said uh, return to sender US post office shuts down permanently it's what goes so wrong in the next t- 10 years <laughs> that we we won't have a post office anymore well what's interesting <laughs> is we've actually if i'm not mistaken have wondered about that in recent years because you know the post office has not been in the most <laughs> uh in the in the most ideal financial state so uh, there's there's already been rumors of that happening in modern times. It's an Easter egg to what's happening in the real world. Greg, yeah. Greg Berlanti has somehow predicted that in 10 years from now, it's, it's shutting down it's permanently. Totally possible because they, you know, there was uh, rumor that they would start cutting back on the days in which mail would be delivered. And of course, you know, they raise prices on. Uh, on stamps and whatnot, um, yeah, the U.S. Postal Service, if I'm not mistaken, has not uh, been in the best financial shape in recent months. Well, great way of promoting their their current situation than uh, <laughs> the Flash TV show. Uh, but let's move over to some metahumans now and some villains of the week. We got to meet Blackout. Uh, we've talked about him a little bit already. We got to meet uh, a former villain from Arrow, the amazing... Robert Nepper from Prison Break, who plays the Clock King. Uh, and Laura, Laura, I know that you and I, we rewatched his first episode a few days ago. Uh, like, what, Having seen his second episode now in the CWDC universe, what did you think about his reappearance? Well, I, I thought his reappearance was interesting. You know, I think my favorite part about his character was actually how Joe related to his character. Um, I love that every time, you know, the Clock King would kind of say a quote about time, you know, Joe knew who said it. So it's like like this persona that he has as a villain. Um, it's like it's easy to see someone like that as really intelligent and not really in touch with reality. You know, he has this obsession with time, but really all of his sayings are from other people. It's like Joe started to kind of poke holes in his, I don't know if I would call it a facade, but I don't know. It's like Joe could just read him. And I really liked watching that interaction because sometimes when you have a villain who's intelligent, the people around him are kind of left like in a stupor and they don't really know what to do with him. But Joe knew exactly how to handle him. And while like Joe may not have saved the day, you know, Iris got to do that. Yeah. Um I loved watching Joe interact with that character. Yeah, and it also says a lot about him as an detective. Mhm. He's very intelligent. Oh yeah, Quentin, it's uh Quentin Lance, it's time to step up. No, we I I <laughs> I love Quentin. Although, you know, I did f- just finish my season 1 rewatch of Arrow on Netflix and wow, I hated Quentin Lance so much in the first 12 or 14 episodes of uh, season one. Really? Uh... But but once he got over the whole Oliver part, the Sarah and Oliver thing, I, I started to like him a lot. But, uh, but you know, we're here to talk about The Flash. So, um, sorry, everyone. Um, that, my fault. Uh, Scott, how did you feel about uh, Clock King? 
No, I like what Lauren's pointing out there about Joe kind of, <clears throat> you know, realizing that he's quoting from other things to look impressive and he calls him out on it. it it's a little bit like that scene in uh, Goodwill Hunting when that guy is trying to impress the girl and, and embarrass uh, Ben Affleck by quoting all these all these things uh, from different books. And Matt Damon walks up and says, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, I can I can quote that stuff, too. And anybody who spent two minutes in this class can can quote this stuff. So just, yeah, yeah, let me finish that for you sort of thing and just kind of <laughs> make him look a lot less impressive as he tries to be impressive. It's a very similar situation here where he's trying to say all these cool things and Joe's like, yep, that came from this person. That, yeah. came, from Benjamin, that came from Benjamin Franklin. That's Henry David Thoreau. And uh, it's almost the same effect. So that was uh, kind of a nice element. And it allows Joe to stand out without even having, <laughs> you know, having a gun or being a cop. He's, he's, he's all, uh, he's a hostage and he's still kicking ass in some way. So yeah. <laughs> he's still messing with the, uh, uh, with the villain without even having to have a weapon. So, um, yeah, so it was, it was really cool how they, uh, still managed to have, uh, two, um, villains in this, uh, creating pretty tense situations and and looking to see how everybody handles it. And, you know, it was kind of good to see that despite the fact that Barry and the Flash is, you know, the, he's the hero of the show, but these, but these characters that they, that the show has already told us are really good, smart uh, people are still capable of getting themselves out of predicaments, which helps, you know, a little bit of the realism of the show stay, you know, consistent. Where not everybody needs saving every single time by the same person. That there are times where they can get themselves out of the, out of this predicament. In this case, it was Iris helping foil the crime without uh, the Flash even being there. So it created some, um, uh, a really, uh, plenty of really good moments there with other cast members, and uh, you know, the other element in that whole scene with uh, um, the Clock King was, you know, they, they shot Eddie. And, oh, poor Eddie. you know, for all of those, all of the speculation about whether Eddie's going to turn into reverse Flash or something, at least at this stage, he looks pretty human <laughs> after or, getting or shot. Or maybe he did it on purpose. Because there's a, well, there, there's a yeah. scene that we need to talk about, not just for the comedy's sake of it, but because of another reason. Because uh, he saw Barry yes, yeah. be the Flash? Well, we we will get to that, but let's move over to also for for a few for a few seconds now about Gerder, who, like I said last week, I speculated that, that he was going to be in this episode because that's what the casting said to begin with. But did they really kill him off? I'm I'm not really happy about this. Uh, Lauren, let's start with you. What did you think about Gerder in this episode? I really liked that he was in this episode and I liked how the actor Greg Finley, how he was kind of teasing um, a possible redemption for Gerder, you know, all throughout the day. Um, I, I liked that he got an opportunity to come back and, you know, I'm wondering how often we are going to see the villains that are down underneath star labs because they're under there, you know, they can't just be ignored. Um, and Scott, I think you said this last week, or maybe a reader tweeted in, you know, who's feeding them? Like, who's taking care of these people? Um, I've been wondering that, too. So I like that we got to see him again. I'm a big Greg Finley fan. I really liked him in Starcrossed. So it was fun to see him. And it was sad that he died. Um, you know, and it was kind of 
kind of a redeeming moment that he would sacrifice himself to protect Barry, even though in the last episode he tried to hurt him. Yeah, I I agree. I I really like Ray Finley too. I do like Ray Finley a lot. I didn't. I, I only saw like one or two episodes of him in Starcross, and and like you know, even though he's playing a bully, uh, he played a bully and a villain last week. I, he was so likable still. Like he. Like I, I was able to actually care for him, and look, this is a comic book show, so you don't know what. Look, if Agent Coulson can come back from being killed by an Asgardian in the Avengers, then I'm and get his own TV show after that. I'm, I'm hope, hopefully, then someone like Girder can come back too. Yeah, I thought it was a nice, um, nice component to the show because really, even even outside of how cool it was to see. Uh, you know him um, help Barry, and and more importantly, it was just really cool that first scene when he shows up and and hits Blackout and says, "I've been wanting to hit somebody." <laughs> you know, I thought that was a really cool moment because at that point in time, the bad guy had full control of everything, so it was just good to see this other person who was a bad guy last week step in and do something good. Um, but you know, they're really smart about how they calculate these things in the show because it wasn't just a matter of well, we need a reason to, uh, you know, be able to fight this guy and uh, kill Girder off. It also, you know, created that really interesting moment where, you know, once Barry finds out uh, that uh, Tony is dead or Girder is dead, uh, they have that really tense interchange or exchange, um, asking, you know, you know, did did Tony really deserve to die? And and then you know Wells turns around and says, oh well, what what if it was the rest of us that died? What about Caitlin and Cisco? And, uh, you know, and then, of course, uh, Barry accuses him of being pawns in a chess in a chess game, uh, which t- ties back to what we were just talking about earlier as to just how many strings is Dr. Wells push pulling here and what's he trying to make happen uh, in the end game. So um, I in that and that all happened because Girder was part of this episode. So I think it was really cool to see, you know, this this extra, you know, metahuman come in and and fight the bad guy, but it also set up some more story elements, too, that uh, played out through the rest of the episode and has us talking today. And, I don't know, fingers crossed that he's that he will come back because, I don't know, I kind of liked him as the bane to Flash's Batman in a way. And, and I don't know, Greg Finley is just so likable that, like, he's like the, the, the rock for television, <laughs> Not just because of his size, but because of his personality. He's re- he's <laughs> but he he he's very charismatic, and he's very he's just very fun to listen and watch. Andy wanted uh, Girder to punch Black out, stand over him, and say, "And now you have my permission to die." <laughs> <laughs> and that would have been awesome. Now you have my permission to die. <laughs> uh, okay, I can I can um, do a good Gollum, but I cannot do a good Bane. Uh, sorry, Lauren, what were you gonna say? Oh, I looked up who did the voice of Gideon, and she is a recognizable actress. Her name is Marina, um, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, Basarin, but Bacarin, and she is in Gotham. Oh, Firefly. Are you? Yes. That was her? She's Dr. Leslie Tompkins in Gotham. She voiced Talia al Ghul in the video uh, Son of Batman. She's, she's in uh, Homeland. She's Anara in Firefly. Yes, she's Anna in V. Yep. 
she she's been in a lot. She was on Stargate SG One. She was she voiced Black Canary and Dinah Lance in a Justice League TV series from two thousand five. And she's Inara and Serenity and Firefly. That's interesting. I d- well investig good investigation there, Lauren. Because I, I didn't. Where did you find this information? Um, I just went onto IMDb, and you can look up individual cast lists for episodes if you just put in right. the Flash and then the name of the episode, <laughs> and it'll pull up. You know uncredited people and I'm, she was uncredited last night dang but imdb will list her okay well you know and imdb there they can be so so a lot of times you know i sometimes they they're 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 right with a lot of things and i and you know but you know and i could actually see this being the case you know hey they got tara strong to voice harley quinn for like two seconds on arrow last season they didn't even credit her either until the end so dang but okay well Ladies and gentlemen, we now know who voiced Gideon on The Flash. Although, looking closer, there's another name on here for Gideon as well. So, maybe it's not official. Ah. An actress named Jessie Sarah Valinsky. Maybe they, they used her facial rec- facial parts as the face for the, the thing that we saw on the computer. Maybe. Maybe we'll have to tweet somebody and ask them from the show. Hmm. All right. Well, looks like we have another mystery aside from who is Reverse Flash. But well, it, it is a mystery because I we don't know who Gideon is. Maybe Tess Morgan. But uh, but overall, I like I even though I liked Blackout, I enjoyed Clock King a lot more. And thankfully, they didn't kill him off. That that, that Iris has shot him. And hopefully, what's going to happen is that look, I know he's not part of the Rogues, but look. Prison Break is like a huge show for me, and the fact that, that we have already two of them as the rogues. Look, I don't care how you're gonna do. I just want to see Captain Cold and Heat Wave break clocking out of prison and say, "We're doing a Prison Break." Hint, hint, and we want you to join the rogues. There you go. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if anyone from the show is listening, feel free to use that idea. You can improve it on the, <laughs> if you can, you can improve it if you want to because it's. It can be done better. Look, if you if you feature clocking, uh, and hey, go ahead and take Con Vertigo from Arrow, and then you will have four Prism Break guys. Okay, I'm asking for too much. Okay, so let's get back to reality, Andy. Uh, and <laughs> but the, one of the last um, one of the things I want to talk about is the amount of Easter eggs we got in this episode because there's a scene specifically when Harrison is just rambling a bunch of names of people who died in a park accelerator. Yeah. Now, at first, when I was watching the show episode for the first time, and he was saying all those names, I was thinking, okay, maybe maybe one or two of those names are DC characters. It turns out that all of them were DC characters, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and that was a lot of people who died. So let's bring up a few of them. I have a list here from um, both Flash TV News and um, ComicBook.com. They they mention the Golden Age Adam with Al, Al Ruff. Rothstein, if I said that right. Uh, they mentioned uh, Grant Emerson. They mentioned, uh, let's see, I, I'm bad with names, but they also mentioned Ra- Ralph Dibney, who is, who has stretching abilities, which is kind of cool. Uh, so there was a lot of them. 
And I was like, yeah, so let's just take a bunch of DC characters and, and then just kill them off um, off screen. Um, hope, luckily, it wasn't anyone like really, really big. So like, it would have been one thing if they if all they had said was, oh, we, uh, you know, Ted Cord was one of them. I'm like, no, you can't kill Ted Cord off. Like he's big. But uh, I don't know. It was kind of it was kind of funny that th- there was just so many of them. Well, you know, and I don't know if they're dead or if they're people that are assumed to be dead and are going to pop up as the people they're supposed to be. I think that's one of the things that fans are hoping for. True. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, you know, because Barry calls Wells out as being impersonal and calculated and not caring about human life. And then you have this scene where Dr. Wells is, you know, is quote unquote remorseful which we know he's not really. Um, and he's listing all these names. And at first you think, oh, I want to be sympathetic to your character. You really do care about who died. But now that I know that all those names are DC characters, I think just the way that he knew the lightning would hit Barry and change him, that he probably knows how the particle accelerator is going to affect other metahumans. And so... I'm starting to think it's not so much that he's remorseful that they died, but that his future room told him that these people will have powers. And it's almost like Project Insight in Captain America 2, where he knows who's going to be special. And so it's not that he so much cares that they were injured, but that he wants their power. Hmm. Interesting. I would well. I would not be surprised if actually, if at least two of them actually come back in some capacity, because you know, it and also in a way, it does spread out the DC universe even further, which is pretty good. And yeah, that's that's interesting. That is interesting. I I, I actually didn't f- think that far ahead. I because I just assumed that, oh, these were just names of characters that they felt that oh, let's just put in DC names and just kill them off. Uh, but you know, I know that Jeff Johns has said a lot of times that when we with an Easter egg, we usually don't do it just for the sake of doing an Easter egg. It, it usually means something. Like, you know, yep. with the Dr. Fate helmet on Constantine, for example, or the Deathstroke mask in the Arrow pilot, which was his idea. So, yeah, Lauren could be, is on to something, I think. What, Lauren, do you know, do you know something that we don't? Do, do... <laughs> I, I've been in the future room. I have talked to Gideon. I cannot confirm nor deny my, my <laughs> statement. Mm, okay. <laughs> Well, let's talk about... I want to talk about Eddie for one second. Um, okay, look, I I felt sorry that he got shot. But to see how... When he when he was in a dope mode in the hospital... That was funny. I've gone back and rewatched that scene seven times just because I like hearing that laugh and hearing him say, Alan, I love ice cream. You bought flowers! <laughs> oh my god. God, I I almost fainted out of laughter. And but but there's one thing we need to talk about in a serious level. He saw Barry do his thing. How do we know that he was completely out of it? That he was like that he won't remember it. Now say that again. Like how do we know that he may not? He how do we know that he won't remember that he actually? How do we know that he was just really really on pain meds and stuff well, like that? Well, if he was on pain meds, it's not. It's not uncommon when you get off of them not to remember 
how loopy you were acting at the time. I mean, there's YouTube videos dedicated to that. <laughs> so now we know what Scott know, is really searching YouTube every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, there's that, there's that one that went, you know, there's been several that have gone viral of people, you know, rec- you know, cause that's what people do. They pull out their phones and mess with you while you're on pain meds and then post them on the internet. So, um, you know, I thought it was an interesting decision. I, I think they just took advantage of the fact that he was on pain meds to, to do that, uh, test again but you know it was an interesting choice knowing he was sitting right there i guess they just were counting on the fact that he wouldn't remember it but it it, the pain med scene in of itself uh i thought was really kind of a funny way to kind of end the show with him saying "Ooh, flowers and i love ice cream (laughs) was was uh was still kind of funny despite everything else that happened it kind of makes you wonder though why would joe test Barry in front of Eddie, like from yeah. a writer's standpoint. I mean, that could have happened in the hallway. Um, uh, I just, I mean, Andy, I think you're onto something. That was a very strategic yep. little scene. And I didn't even think about it at first, you know, when he dropped, when he went to drop the flowers and he caught them, it didn't even cross my mind that Eddie is sitting right there and like, you know, that would have noticed. But then he has that line, which I think he says something like, did you guys see that? Um, I think that was a really interesting choice on the part of the writers because there's there's something to that. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, I mean, it's just one of those things where you, you, you almost wonder at first if that was something that wasn't thought through. Um, or, or it might be something just as simple as, you know, we want to, you know, because it's, it's, not, it's not uncommon to want to, revisit something at the end of, of the show when you when you do an episode like this you know and tie it back in in this case we go back to breaking barry's uh favorite mug Aww, uh that, to test to, to testing nice him mug. again yeah to testing him again um and maybe they you know it could be they just thought you know well eddie's sitting right there oh well, what if he's on pain meds there you go now we can ha- now we can tie that back in at the end <laughs> so it might it might be calculated or or it might be something they just really wanted to do as a nice touch at the end to revisit that that test again, and in order to make it work, uh, they just put they just put Eddie on pain meds so they could say, oh well, he won't remember the next day. So it could be calculated, or it could be, um, you know, once they realized they had to end the show with Eddie in the hospital, but they wanted to do the test scene again, um, they just they just put Eddie on pain meds and made it apparent to everybody watching that he's on pain meds. So nobody asked the question they're asking right now, which is why would they do that in front of Eddie? So they put him on pain meds and allows him to end the show the way, the way they want to. You know what this, that scene reminded me of them. And this is, I'm so grateful for, for now actually watching season one of uh, arrow again on Netflix In the pilot episode of arrow when Tommy and Oliver gets kidnapped, Remember how we then, 16 episodes later, get the, the information that Tommy saw Oliver fight those bad guys, even though he was like out of it, that he saw that he, you know, that he confirmed that he was somewhat still awake when that was still going on, because Oliver thought that he was unconscious still. Could this be their thing for Flash that Eddie was sort of out of it, and he, he you know, he said that he seen. He says that he saw it, but yet he says also at the same time that that he's you know that he's dope and stuff like that. Could that be their moment? Could that be their Oliver and Tommy moment where you know 
Tom, it will in this case, Eddie did in fact you know he saw what he saw and he will remember it that's possible that's a good comparison there's a lot of speculation on this episode on this episode <laughs> there's a lot of speculation i i've never speculated this much about so many things in just one episode it's it's fun i love doing this um but is there anything else you want to you guys want to talk about before we get to the post credit scene the only thing I thought, uh, the only thing that crossed my mind was when everything was really getting serious uh, there in the garage, and Blackout was on his way out, and then Doctor Wells, uh, his wheelchair lost electricity. Did anybody think for a moment he was just going to get desperate and jump out of the chair? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> I I thought he was going to do something very dramatic, but I didn't think he was going to jump out of his chair. Although it didn't help that that um, Greg Belanti, like during the episode, tweeted that. Uh, so who is Harrison Wells? Implying that oh, tonight we may find out who he is. I was like, is this the moment? But like, no, there's not, they're not going to do it in this episode. But uh, but yeah, I did. I was thinking that he's he's going to do something, something out of it. But I don't know. But um, there were a few emotional beats that I really enjoyed in this episode. One was the two scenes between Caitlin and Barry. Um, uh, one, Barry. yeah, right before they, um, you know, they hook him up to the treadmill. Um, you know, Barry is really lamenting that he, like, he lost his abilities. And, you know, Caitlin's trying to remind him, no, you're still the same person. And it reminded me of the line that his mom said to him in the pilot, which is, it's better to have a good heart than fast legs. And so I think this episode was kind of a reminder for Barry that, like, yes, your speed gives you power, but it's your heart that helps you make the right decisions on what to do with that power, as opposed to Dr. Wells, who his heart isn't necessarily in the right place. And then I loved when she said, when Caitlin said, you know, I believe, I believe in you as the Flash. Um, and then just the end, how the Flash reveals himself to Iris and tells her that she's worth being on time for. And then you see in the next scene, Barry is early for his training with Dr. Wells. I think it's interesting to see growth like that. Like mm-hmm. he was always known for being late. Um, for whatever reason, but somehow like what took place in this episode has changed his motivation. And so instead of just being fast and just using his speed when he wants to, now he's going to be really intentional about developing his speed. And I think that was like a corner for Barry's character to turn. Well, and it was, it ties pretty well too. in in and what Dr. Wells is learning about Barry you know, which we saw in the beginning and end of the episode, um, uh, as he's trying to figure out, um, you know, how how this is how you know Barry is proceeding with wherever he wants him to go. As he continues to call uh, Barry in the uh, as he talks to Gideon, he calls Barry the subject, <laughs> and uh, in in his thesis, his different thesis about um, what Barry is turning into and what he has to be, and at the end. We uh, we hear him say that the key has uh, his, or his original thesis was different, and now he thinks the key is Barry is genuinely caring about other people, um, and I thought that that all tied into um, you know those moments as well as uh, you know as Barry continues to not only um, learn more about his powers but learn more about himself and his place in this whole thing and how that impacts everybody else. 
Right. No, I agree. Um, well, let's get to the post-credits scene just for a few minutes before we get to the feedback from Twitter. Harrison goes down to the, the deceased body of Blackout and takes a sample of blood while asking, you know, you, how were you able to steal the Flash's power? And, man, that scene just took us right back to square one, that this is so confusing that it's so hard to know, is he good, is he bad, what is he, and I have, I have no idea what to take from that scene. Well, I mean, it's one of two things. I mean, you were talking earlier about, um, you know, Dr. Wells' interest in other people's powers. Um, there could be an element to that. Um, but really, the fundamental question is, um, you know, is he doing it to make sure that nobody else can do that? Or he he's generally wants to learn the scientific, uh, the, the science behind being able to take Barry's powers away to protect Barry? Or is he... Um, trying to figure it out for his own purposes in another way. I think he wants Barry's powers. I think that was pretty evident. Um, like for me, I love Tom Cavanaugh, just like you, Andy, but I think Dr. Wells is a baddie, baddie, baddie. I think he has an agenda. Um, I think he is only tolerating you know, the fact that the Flash is actually a person, you know, it's Barry. Because, um, yeah, he always called him the subject. There's a line where he says, Gideon, show me the... F-. No, wait, that's not it. My most important creation is the Flash, you know. So he has this kind of attachment, not really to Barry, but to, like, what Barry can do. And I think at some point he is going to want to take all of Barry's powers, whether we'll see that in this season or maybe like a season two or a season three, that's hard to say, but um, I think it definitely ties in with <clears throat> either being able to reverse time and going back and saving his wife or um, going into the future. I'm not really sure what the Speed Force can do, but it seems like Dr. Wells wants to take it. Well, we, we shall see. But uh, but overall, really good episode. I think uh, I, 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 the only thing I was a little bit like iffy about was that I thought that this episode was somehow going to set up the crossover a little bit. Maybe that we would see said villain that we will see in the part in set in the in the part one of the crossover next week. But overall, really good episode, and um, I'm like, you know, keep bringing out more Flash. I, I'm loving this. Like, hey. 23 episodes is not enough. Give us 50 episodes uh, for each season, but all of that would be pretty expensive. But but let's um, let's get to some um, feedback from our listeners before we get into the massive spoiler section for next week. God, what did the people on Twitter have to say about this week's episode of The Flash? Well, we're going to start things off with K Diddy 591, who says, "Excellent episode. Was gripping, suspenseful, and full of insight." A A A A A A plus 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 plus. I think you forgot a plus there, at, um, Scott. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and another plus. <laughs> um, Marina zero one zero Z says, "Loved it. I really hope we get to see Clock King again." Preach. Stiletto Stiletto Royalty says, 
Great show tonight. Harrison Wells is an A1 character. Loved the growth in Iris tonight, and Joe West is the best. Everhemo, or Everhemo, I'm assuming it's Everhemo, <laughs> says Dr. Wells is a hella, is hella sketchy and has to be involved with reverse flash. Mike Agreed. Schmidt. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think a lot of people are beginning to think that, especially when you think about how things ended last week with uh, supposedly the reverse flash showing up in Joe's home. Mm-hmm. Mike Schmidt 09 says. DVR'd it, but I caught the ending. Love the name drops by Harrison Wells. And guys, make sure to check out his um, his uh, Flash Opera at SoundCloud.com slash Flash Opera. It's some good stuff. And he wrote our theme song for the podcast. Swooshy Apple says, Some craziness went down, and can we talk about the Snowberry? All right, go ahead. I I, I like Snowberry. <laughs> actually, one of my, my, one of my friends actually thought that Snowberry was the name of an ice cream. I'm like... Dude, it says Barry in the name. It's like a name, the name Barry, and he's like, but, but, but snow, but like it's the last name of Caitlin Snow, but he's, and he keeps on going. But it sounds like an ice cream. Why are you attacking me for that? I'm, like, I'm not attacking you. It's, it's just weird. You thought well, it was an ice I cream. Mean, it's not an ice cream yet. You know, the show will get popular. Oh, eyes. Ben and Terry's will make the ice cream. I know. Oh, you were talking. <laughs> I thought you were talking about eyes, as in you know. Caitlin Snow, what she be- possibly co- becomes on this show. So, okay, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be quiet now. <laughs> All right, Green Claude underscore Wit says, Iris was so certain then that they pulled this pull that stunt. She is clearly edging closer to the truth. They better tell her soon. Uh, Kai Kirk Williams says this was a great episode. It was the first time Flash tapped into Speed Force, and that just blew me away. M. Dean Cherry says, I worry about how Brooks Dr. Wells is. Apparently Blackout stole all of the schwas in Central City. Sure. Adam, <clears throat> Adam, Mr. Adam Holmes. Who's that? Yeah, we've heard that name before. Says, another point to Wells' sinister score Disappointed they killed Gerder, but glad Tockman's still alive. Alex underscore Chapman says, Solid episode tonight. Like the team dynamic with Barry and crew. Also liked that Iris stayed calm and saved herself. Foose Robert says, Loved the laundry list of, quote, killed heroes. Elongated man, Nuclon, damage, amazing man, fire, and firestorm. Hope to see all. Well, that last person sounds very familiar. So I, oh yeah, I, don't know, I think he's going to be on the show. But um, he, yeah, he's going to be on the show. Firestorm is coming, yo. By the way, when Iris said the Flash is coming to Clock King, the the only thing that would have made that, that line absolutely flawless would have been if she had said hashtag the Flash is coming trend it. And because the because <laughs> I, I, because the flash is coming, it's you know that's a reference to you know every, all of us having tweeted this all year long, tweeting the flash is coming, the flash is coming, and when she said it, I just it would have been so perfect if she, all she had said was hashtag the flash is coming, and clocking clocking is like why hashtag, and then she turns to the camera and she said because Twitter. <laughs> uh, um, 
but hey, I don't know. But uh, but those were all, you know, we had a lot of tweets this week, but uh, but uh, thank you so much for tweeting in your thoughts about this week's episode. Next week, it's going to be it's going to be big. So if you want to have your thoughts read on the po- podcast about each episode of Flash, tweet us at the Flash Podcast or email us at the Flash Podcast at gmail.com and we will read as many as we can on the show. But guys, enough about this episode. No, in, in a good way because you know I've loved this episode. But we have something big to talk about in a few minutes. But before we get to that, Lauren, I want you to tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet. So you can find me on Twitter at Lauren underscore Galloway, G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. You can also find me on Fantastic TV on Twitter and on WordPress. And we review shows like Gotham, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I have some fun co-writers that I collaborate with. Then you can also find me on community.ew.com. And I'm currently recapping the final season of White Collar. Awesome. Guys, make sure to check out her work. She's doing some good stuff. And uh, and and also, and Scott, what is this Assembly of Geeks podcast that you're talking about? <laughs> the uh, Assembly of Geeks is assemblyofgeeks.com and on Twitter at Geeks Assemble. Uh, in December, we'll be um, covering a lot of things. We have some big announcements to make in December, including some of the things we're doing next year. That, of course, includes our Peggy Carter podcast, among other things. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Scott Murray. Word. And, um, and you can find this podcast on, on the following website, theflashpodcast.com, Twitter at The Flash Podcast, Facebook at facebook.com slash The Flash Podcast. Come and join our Facebook group and talk everything that is The Flash, DC, Marvel, anything that is geeky. Just uh, ask for membership, and you'll be brought in right away. Uh, I'm usually always around to, you know, accept any members. But you know, if I'm not around, Scott or Adam or uh, our good, um, our, our, one of our good admins, uh, David Rosen, who 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 creates spoiler threads uh, each week for each episode of Flash, as well as Arrow threads over at the Quiver Podcast Facebook group, um, they will bring you in um, right as soon as possible. You can find us on Stitcher Radio and iTunes. Make sure to subscribe rate and review us that's the best way to support our show and and for us to know what you think about the show so if there's anything you want us to improve on we will you know we'll look into it and if there's you know and we want also want to know what you love most about the show and do you love that and that andy is sometimes all cuckoo in the head um like today because i actually have somewhat of a cold and when i have a cold andy doesn't feel good then and then he will say a lot of weird things but uh, but you know i I'm I do I'm doing it for the podcast because I love doing this and um, you, it's entertaining just as much, Andy. Well, I've said some <laughs> weird things and I feel I oh I feel all timey wimely and giggly wobbly or whatever the the, the tenth said. <laughs> and um, you can also find us on the Google Plus Circle, the Flash fans, which is run by our good friend Hank from T Fanatic. Make sure to check out his work on T Fanatic. Comment and talk. Talk with him about the show that he covers uh, in the comments below his articles. And you can also find uh, find some of our good friends uh, over at TV Tag, at TV Tag, as well as at TV Tag Flash. You can find our show on the Mixed Radio Network on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. And also check out our good friends over at zaptoit.com. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Next week, guys, we're doing a little bit different because we will be covering both episodes of the crossovers so and we're gonna do a little bit differently with uh, the feedback stuff too so 
if you want to have your your thoughts read about the Flaro crossover, remember that hashtag, and then you know just stay stay tuned on the Twitter and Facebook page. We will have more information for you as we get closer to that. And um, Lauren, you know, you, I know you will be with us in the spoiler section, but uh, I just want to say, you know, before you know, if anyone is not going to listen to the spoiler section. Thank you so much for coming on to the show this week. We will, we 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 definitely want to have you back in the near yeah. future. You know, I will go to my future room and see that it is possible. Uh, <laughs> Gideon, Gideon will say that yes, yeah, she will be in. She will be in more episodes of Flash Podcasts this season. Um, so thank you so much. You were great. Yes. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, it was our honor to have you on. But uh, but guys, it's time. We're going to jump now to somewhat a little bit of um, extended spoiler section. So if you're not sticking around for, with us for the spoiler section, don't miss the Flare crossover. Part 1 on next Tuesday, Flash vs. Arrow, followed by Part 2 on, the fo- on Wednesday, December 3rd. The Brave and the Bold. It's about to go down. What will happen? Who... Who will, who will defeat who? Who will be more quirky, Felicity or Caitlyn? Who will win in a suit-off? I don't know. But uh, for our host, uh, Adam Holmes, and our team member, uh, Chris Duker and Steph, I'm Adam Bucht. I'm Scott Murray. Lauren Galloway. And we will see you next week on The Flash Podcast. having this conversation. You missed. No. Flash versus Arrow. The epic two-night event begins this Tuesday at 8, 7 central on The CW. Welcome to the spoiler section of The Flash podcast for next week's episodes of Flash and Arrow. Wasn't that an amazing teaser? Part 1 and Part 2 of the Flash Arrow crossover that will be happening on the CW next week. So, Scott, what does the synopsis have to say about this epic crossover? 
Well, for Flash versus Arrow, it says Barry is thrilled when Ob- Oliver, Felicity, and Diggle come to Central City to investigate a case involving a deadly boomerang. Excited about teaming up with his friend, Barry asks Oliver if he'd like to help him stop Ray Bivolo, the metahuman Barry is currently tracking. Bivolo causes people to lose control of their emotions and has been using that skill to rob banks. Unfortunately, the superhero partnership doesn't go as smoothly as Barry expected. When Oliver tells Barry he still has a lot to learn, Barry sets out to prove him wrong by attempting to stop Bivolo alone. However, when Bivolo infects Barry and sets him on a rage rampage, everyone is in danger, and the only one who can stop him is the Arrow. Meanwhile, Iris is furious when Eddie tries to get a task force to stop the Flash, Joe, and Dr. Wells, agree to the agree the Arrow is a bad influence on Barry, Caitlin, and Cisco, deal with a new team in Star Labs. Glenn Winter directed this episode with a story by Greg Berlanti and Andrew Kreisberg and a teleplay by Ben Sokolowski and Brooke uh, Eichmeier. Am I saying that right? Eichmeier? Eichmeier, that's how I would say it. Yeah, Brooke Eichmeier, yeah. And then? And then part two is called The Brave and the Bold. Oliver, Arsenal, and Diggle track down the location of a boomerang-wielding killer named Digger Harkness, by, uh, who's going to be played by guest star Nick Tarabay, but are surprised when they come face-to-face with an Argus team. Diggle asks Layla why Argus is involved, but she defers until Harkness attacks the building, killing several agents and targeting Lila. The Arrow joins the fight and gets help from an old friend, the Flash. Harkness manages to get away, and Oliver teams up with Barry again to find him before he can get to Layla. Or Lila, I'm sorry. When Harkness plants five bombs in the city that are timed to explode at the same time, both teams must come together to save the city. Jesse Warren directed the episode with a story by Greg Vellante and Andrew Kaisberg, and the teleplay is by Mark Guggenheim and Grian Godfrey Schwartz. Okay, a lot of things has been said here now, and we've seen a lot of footage from that one-minute teaser. There's been interviews, images released. You can find images for part one and part two, respectively, on flashtvnews.com and greenertv.com, good friends of the podcast. And there's a lot of things that's been said, like I said, about this crossover. One of the things I'm really excited about is that Stephen Amell said something at, I don't know if it was a roundtable interview if, or something like that, but he mentioned that that he that Oliver will be making an, an interesting observation about Harrison. So it's kind of interesting that Dr. Wells looks at Arrow as a bad influence, maybe hinting that, oh, crap, he's on to me. That's one of the things I'm really really excited about. Lauren, what are you really excited about to see in this crossover, whether it's part one or part two? I just like the idea of the teams working together. I love when Felicity gets to hang out with Caitlin and Cisco. Um, I think it'll be really fun just to see Barry and Oliver spend some time together. I think the promo is absolutely hilarious how Oliver shoots him because Oliver also shot Roy. So Oliver has this thing with putting arrows through kind of his sidekicks or, you know, his friends, um, which I think is funny. Um, 
And, you know, Barry and Oliver, they're really different superheroes. Mm -hmm. You know, they believe in different things. You know, they're led by different motivators. And so I think it'll be cool to see them pursue suspects together. Nice, nice, nice. And Scott, what are you looking forward to seeing this crossover? Well, up to this point, they haven't had to spend a whole lot of time together. You know, it's been just enough to make it work in uh, smaller appearances on shows. It's going to be, I think, really interesting. And I think Lauren's kind of alluding this too. You got two episodes here, two very different heroes, two very different uh, mindsets and backdrops to their personal stories and how they're going to take the two franchises together and make one big consistent story that works for two episodes and see what everybody thinks. Uh, I think that in itself had to be kind of a fun yet very challenging uh, task for the writers and, and the uh, producers of the show. But, you know, it's been in development for a while, so I, you know, I'm confident it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out well. And everything they've done with it up to this point has been pretty good, too. Um, I want to say that I read an interview um, with Stephen Amell about, about shooting this scene, you know, and, and what was it like to, to actually play this out um, and how often was Grant really there when he was in the fight? And he, <laughs> I think what he said was something along the lines of, well, at times I had to fight just air, but I'll tell you what, I kicked the air's ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's funny. Yeah. Oh, I think it was last weekend that he said that uh, someone asked him that in the panel and then, I think wasn't David Ramsey just said, but he kicked his ass. It might it might have been. I just remember reading. I kicked the air's ass, and I remember laughing. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. Like like Lauren and Scott has said that uh, that these teams are coming together and see a new alliance being formed. Because you know, at first, I I do think there's going to be some conflicts, but I think that by the end of the crossover, they're going to have a good relationship. And I, well, one of the things that I'm also really excited about is that they've been teasing that there's a huge moment for the Arrow TV show in part one of the crossover on Flash. I wouldn't be surprised. Is Cisco going to name him Green Arrow? Uh, I keep hearing people talk about that. You know what? Even though I love Cisco Ramon to death, like I don't want him to name him Green Arrow. I think it needs to be... I think it needs to happen on Arrow in a special way because... Even though I love the comedic parts of Cisco and the name thing, I feel like when it comes to naming him the Green Arrow, we need—I I feel like we need to—we need to have it happen on Arrow. I think it's something else, though, something even bigger than just naming him. Well, I have a question. Do you guys think they are going to not tackle, but talk about the Barry Felicity? relationship at all or do you think they'll just downplay that because it's more about um the teams the bank robbers well, I've, yeah i've been joking for f- several weeks now that the reason they're doing this crossover why it's called flash versus arrow is because oliver's going to find out that barry kissed felicity and he's going to be angry at him uh but of course it's just a joke but i i do think they will address it somewhat that uh that you know i think that there might be a scene where oliver will actually notice that oh there's there's some sparks. There's still some sparks between these two. What's going on? Like you know, she has Ray now. She has Barry, but she know me. So I do think they will men- mention it. Uh, I think it would be a wasted opportunity if they didn't talk about it. Yeah. Well, they, 
They've got two episodes. They've got plenty of time to squeeze it in somewhere if they wanted to. Exactly. They've also talked. One thing that I'm really interested to see is that they're. And Laura, Laura, maybe you know this better than I do. They have been teasing that Sarah's. The death of Sarah will be mentioned in the crossover somewhat. I I think I have read that somewhere. And that's interesting because, you know, we have Barry's villain who's robbing banks and manipulating emotion. And then you have the boomerang villain. And, you know, we still don't know what happened to Sarah. And so there has to be some way that this all ties together. I'm I'm trying to think what it could be. Like maybe they they will use some Star Labs technology to like analyze the body, you know, analyze, you know, whatever Felicity was able to analyze from Sarah's body before they buried her. But there, there's so much they, they're going to they're going to do and they're going to have to do in this crossover, but all and also you know as we're you know reaching towards the end now um I've heard so many people gush about Daigle's reactions to the Flash and metahumans and stuff like that. Look, David Ramsey is adorable when he's geeking out. So, like, can you guys imagine what his reaction is going to be when he sees Barry run that fast? It's going to be great. Sometimes I forget that our our Team Arrow doesn't know what Barry can do yet. You know, because we watch the episodes every week back to back. And so, like, when Felicity was on, I forgot that she had never seen Barry run before. And mm-hmm. I liked how they took time to demonstrate that to her. And so I think, yeah, I think Diggle, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to have the best lines next week. Diggle and Cisco, I think, are going to go back and forth with the best zingers about what Oliver can do and then what about Barry can do. And also quickly, as, uh, because some people have been asking, like, who is Ray Bivolo? And from what I, you know, I've looked it up, and it's actually a Flash villain. It's actually Rainbow Raider, who I never thought they would bring on to the show. But I like what <laughs> it's. Well, it's not just because of the name; it's other things too. But what they're doing with his powers on this show—that's a genius. Controlling emotions—that's that's brilliant. I like that, and I like that how that's going to set up the versus part of the crossover because it will tell us a lot more about Barry as a character and how he still looks at Oliver as both a role model but also as someone that he is like, well, you should have more faith in me, Oliver, because I can do these things just as good as you can. And oh, why can't it already why can't it already be Tuesday? Why do we have to wait a whole week? And worst part, there's no new episode of Arrow tonight. Even though it's good because the, otherwise, the crossover would not be the, on the same week. But I'm just going to have to find something else to watch. <laughs> but uh, um, anything else before we wrap up? No. Nope. Okay. Well, once again, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on. I, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about the crossover. Uh, feel free to tweet us in or email us the same night, and we will definitely read it on the show. Because I, that, I really, you know, there's a lot of people I want to hear from um, regarding their thoughts about the crossover, and you're definitely one of them. So, and I hope you're going to enjoy it just as much as we will, because I think this is going to be some epic hours of television. I am so excited. I cannot wait for these episodes to come back. Word. But, guys... We're six days away from part one. 
tweet us your speculation, talk to us on Facebook, email us, stay active on social media, and be ready for Flaro. We will see you next week on the Flash Podcast.